word that goes forth now and, and it will accomplish good things in people's lives. Those that hear it, believe it, receive it and consistently act upon it. In Jesus name we pray. Amen. All right, you can be seated. Let's open our Bibles to Psalm chapter 20 and verse 7. Psalms chapter 20 and verse number 7. And if you don't have a Bible with you today, our ushers will be glad to loan you one of ours. Uh, So if you don't have a Bible with you, raise your hand real high and our ushers will be be glad to come around. Here's one uh, person over here would like, there's a couple of people, where are my ushers at? Where, where are the ushers at? Are we out of ushers? Where are they at? Where are they? Where's all my ushers? Yeah, there you go. Let's get some of these Bibles passed out to people. If you don't have a Bible, we'd like to loan you one of ours. Thanks, guys, for that. I appreciate it. You know, uh, men bled and died to get these Bibles to us. Amen? Amen. And so it's, it's good to just, I believe there's just a blessing in holding a Bible. I know the scriptures are on the screen, but there's just a blessing in open, opening up the Bible. Amen? And so uh, if you don't have one, just we'll be glad to loan you one of ours. We just ask that you leave it on the seat before you leave today. Uh, that would be a blessing to us so we can use it again next time. Okay, uh, Psalms chapter 20, verse 7. The Bible says, some trust in chariots and some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down. Who's bowed down? Those who trust in chariots and horses. They've bowed down to them and have what? Have fallen. But we, we, who we? Those that remember the name of the Lord. We have what? Risen and what? Stand upright. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. But we will remember the name of the Lord our God. They have bowed down and fallen, but we have risen and stand upright. Titling this message today, Chariots and Horses. Chariots and Horses. You see, chariots and horses here represent money and the material things of this world. And due to the financial turmoil that we have experienced in this nation... These past few weeks, and really these past few years, and the turmoil that most likely lay ahead for this nation, how many of you know we're in unsustainable debt? This nation is in trouble financially. And based on that, I just felt led of the Spirit of God to share with you along these lines this morning, talking about chariots and horses. Now notice... The Bible did not say there was anything wrong with having chariots and horses. Now, chariots and horses, what does that that represent? The material things of this world. We wouldn't say chariots today. We'd say sports cars or a car. Is that right? And horses, we wouldn't say horses. But, you know, did anybody ride up to church today on a horse? (laughs) But you understand in the Bible days it was chariots and horses. In our day it's cars and, 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 you know, things like that. And the Bible did not say that there's anything wrong with having material things. But that we should not bow down to serve our trust in material things such as cars or money or whatever it may be. And that if we do bow down and serve money or 
cars or nice clothes or jewelry or whatever that may be, if we do serve that, we will eventually fall. How many of you remember, we're talking about chariots here. How many of you remember Pharaoh's chariots as they pursued the children of Israel across the Red Sea? And remember what happened? Pharaoh's chariot wheels came off. Is that right? And so you need to realize that if you're trusting in the chariots and the horses, eventually the horses are going to go lame. You understand? And eventually the chariot wheels are going to come off. Let's don't trust in chariots and horses. Let's remember and trust in the name of the Lord. What do you say? Now, some other scriptures about the dangers of trusting in chariots and horses, material things. Look at Mark 10, if you would. Look at Mark 10, verse 23. Mark 10, verse 23, if you would. Let's turn there. Mark 10, verse 23. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples... How hard is it for those who have riches to enter the kingdom of God? Now see, if you stopped in verse 23, you'd be scratching your head. You mean if I have material things, it's going to hinder me? But look at verse 24. The disciples were, even the disciples were astonished at his words. But Jesus answered again and said to them, children, how hard is it for those who what? Who? who trust in riches to enter the kingdom of God. See, there's nothing wrong with having material things. The danger is when we trust in the material things. You see, as you study the entirety of the word of God, God wants you to prosper. He really, really does. He doesn't want you to be broke. He doesn't want you to be without. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to work. He wants you to budget. He wants you to manage your money properly. He wants you to invest wisely. Have you ever read the parable of the talents? That, you know, he he commended those for investing wisely and and, and doubling their money. And, and, And so God appreciates and rewards good stewardship. But what if you obtained a whole lot of money and... It all crashed. It all was gone. It was all lost. Would you be like those during the stock market crash of 1929? Would you jump out the window and commit suicide because all your money is gone? See, those people were trusting in their money. And when the money crashed, they crashed. But you see, if you serve God and remember His name, uh, He'll prosper you. But if you lost all the money, so what? It's gone. Big deal. God's still on the throne. Is that right? And you can believe Him and trust Him and get it all back and more. Amen? Amen. Did you, how many is with me on that? Now notice in Matthew, the 19th chapter and the 16th verse, just some scriptures about the dangers of trusting in, not having, but trusting in chariots and horses. Now what does chariots and horses represent? Worldly goods. Okay, nothing wrong with having them, just don't trust in them. Some dangers here. Look at Matthew nineteen sixteen. Now behold, one came and said to him, to Jesus, Good teacher, what good, thi- uh, what good thing shall I do that I may inherit eternal life? And he said to him, Why do you call me good? No one's 
good, there's no one good but one, that is God. But if you want to enter into life, keep the commandments. He said to him, which ones? Jesus said, you'll not murder, commit adultery, you'll not steal, you'll not bear false witness, honor your father and mother, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these have I kept from my youth. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you want to be perfect, go sell what you have and give to the poor. And you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. I like to say it this way. The great possessions had him. See, there's nothing wrong with having great possessions. It's just wrong. It's dangerous when you let those great possessions get a hold of you. There's much we could teach from this story here. But just the one thing this morning is there's nothing wrong with having great possessions. It's just wrong when you let those great possessions have you. Think about what, 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 what this young man gave up. Jesus called him essentially to his ministry, didn't he? How many of you think that would be a good deal for Jesus to invite you to come follow him? Isn't that wonderful? Did this young man do it? No. Why did he not do it? Because he could not give up the great possessions. You would be surprised how many people never serve God to really any degree because they just can't give up their great possessions. I mean, they have good examples here, John and Shirley. I'm not trying to draw attention to them, but they're good examples. They gave up a life here in the United States. To go to a country that's not as nice. They sacrificed a whole lot to go down there. I know I was there. When I got back from Costa Rica, he, he told me, he said, he said, Pastor Terry, when you get back to the United States, you get off the jet, you'll want to get down and kiss the ground. And, and he was right. How many people, if God said, sell what you have, give to the poor and go to another nation and minister my word, how many people could do that? There's a lot of people can't do it. Because they just can't give up the goods. They can't give up the money. They can't give up their nice house. They can't give up. Do you understand that? But see, people, and what does that show? It shows that we're trusting in those things. But see, where we need to get to a point is that we serve God, we trust in Him. And and uh, if you serve God, He will prosper you. But you see... How can you know if the goods, the possessions really don't have you? You can know if God asked you to give them up, can you give them up? That's a true test, isn't it? I think we all ought to ask ourselves a question this morning, including me. If God asked us to give up everything that we have, worldly, worldly things, to go do something, another assignment or something that he has us to do, could we do it? That's a question we all ought to ask ourselves. Amen? Amen. It's a very sobering question, isn't it? Do you realize there's not many people that could do that? See, this young man passed up a position on Jesus' staff because the great possessions, the worldly things, the chariots and the horses had a hold of him. Notice Matthew 6.24, Matthew 6.24 in the NIV. We'll read this in the New International Version. That'll be on the screen. Matthew 6.24, notice Jesus said this, No one can serve 
two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You can't serve them both. Now notice he didn't say you couldn't have them both. He said you couldn't serve them both. Again, I want to say it. God will prosper you. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to have money. He wants you to have things. He wants you to have a nice car. He wants you to, he wants you to have these things. He just doesn't want these things to what? To have you. You okay with that? He just doesn't want them to have you. And the real reason, really, that he wants you to have the things Yes, so you have your needs met and all that, but really that's secondary. He wants you to have things so that you can be a blessing to others. Did you know why he wants your cup running over? See, he wants your cup full so you can be blessed, but he wants it running over so you can take that excess and do what? Bless others. You ever think of that? And when you get that motive about you, God will begin to bless you. And you get the cup running over and he says, put a thousand dollars there. Put ten, all right, well, let's start. Put, put a dollar. You gotta start with a dollar before you get to a thousand. You know, there's a lot of people can't release a dollar. So you get a point, you, he put a dollar there, you put the dollar. And then he'll say, put ten dollars somewhere. And then you're faithful in that. And then you might get to a day where he'll, he'll tell you to put five thousand somewhere or ten thousand somewhere. You can serve God and get to a point where he might say, put a hundred thousand dollars in that man's ministry. See, if you can't release the one dollar, you'll never be able to release a hundred thousand. Is that right? Didn't Jesus say, if you're not faithful in that which is least, you'll never be faithful in that which is much. Is that true? But the point is, can you release it? Can you release it? If you can't release it, what does that show? The money has you, you don't have it. Is that correct? And you can't, you can have money and God, you just can't serve money and God. You're either going to serve money or you're going to serve God. Is that right? How many of you realize if you serve money, eventually you're going to fall? But if you serve God, you'll, you'll, you'll be strong and you'll stand. Amen? Notice in, in Luke 16, verse 19. Go there. Luke 16, verse 19. Let's turn there. Luke 16, verse 19. We're going to talk about the rich man who went to hell. And, and I could stand here for hours and teach from this. There's so many lessons that we can learn here. But just one simple lesson today. Look at this. Luke 16, verse 19. There was a certain rich man who was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. Did he have the horses and the chariots? Oh, yeah. He had a bunch of them, didn't he? Fine linen fared sumptuously every day. Eating good, just doing well. There was a certain beggar named Lazarus full of sores who was laid at his gate, desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dog came and licked the beggar's sores. Is that right? So it was that the beggar died, was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. See, this was before Jesus was raised from the dead. See, before Jesus was raised from the dead, all of the Old Testament saints, they went into what was called Abraham's bosom, which was a a place of comfort. When people died without Jesus, they'd they'd go to hell. They still do today. Now, when Jesus was raised from the dead, he shut Abraham's bosom down. He took all those spirits in Abraham's bosom and took them up to heaven. Now, when a Christian dies, we don't go into Abraham's, but we go up. Say up. How many know that's a good deal? Amen. But, But nonetheless, 
the rich man dies and the beggar dies. And notice the beggar died, was carried by the angels to Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now, now, and being in torments in Hades or in hell. See, his body's buried up on the earth. His spirit went into hell. He lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham afar off and Lazarus in his bosom. Now, notice something here. Abraham is in the place of comfort. Did you know Abraham was a rich man? How many of you know he was rich? How many of you know Abraham was very rich? He was a very, very rich man. But money never had a hold of him. And he... At this time, as we're reading this story, he had, he had died and he went to the place of comfort, didn't he? Didn't he? But notice this rich man was in hell. He lift up his eyes. He's in, he's in torments. He's in hell. He sees Abraham afar off, Lazarus in his bosom. He cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me and send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue for I'm tormented in this flame. But Abraham, see, he's tormented in the flame. Abraham said, Son, remember in your lifetime you received good things and likewise Lazarus evil things, but now he's comforted, you're tormented. Besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed so that those who would want to pass from here to you cannot, nor can those pass uh, from there to us. Then he said, I beg you, therefore, Father, that you would send him to my father's house, for I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come to this place of torment. Abraham said to him, they have Moses. Now look at this. They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, no, Father Abraham, but if one goes to them from the dead, they will repent. But he said to him, if they do not hear Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rise from the dead. Now, why did I read this story to you? I could teach so many things from this, but here's the one thing I want to point out. Is it possible that this rich man, did he go to hell because he was rich? No, because no, Abraham was rich and he didn't go to hell. Is that right? Is it possible, though, that this rich man went to hell because he didn't hear Moses and the prophets? Oh, yeah. Who did Moses and Jesus told us who Moses and the prophets preached? They preached Jesus, didn't they? And is it possible that this rich man was so distracted by his money that he didn't have time to listen to Moses and the prophets? And thus he winds up in hell. We have to be very watchful about worldly goods. We have to be very watchful about things. Things can get a hold of you. Money. There's something about it you need to be watchful about. The Bible talks, Jesus talks about the deceitfulness of riches. Money can deceive you. Trying to get more of it. Even, even poor people can be deceived because they think if they get money, they, that, 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 that will make them happy. And I've watched people get money and money in, in and of itself doesn't make you happy. Oh, it can for a while with the things, but I'm telling you what, there's no everlasting joy from things. Everlasting joy, the joy that surpasses understanding and the peace that surpasses understanding comes from a relationship with Jesus Christ, you see. Amen? But I've watched money deceive a lot of people. Jesus said the deceitfulness of riches. And it can get a hold of you. 
And, 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 I, and I've seen, I've seen people, I, I tell you, I've seen people, rich people, that, that it was hard to preach Jesus to them because they were so preoccupied with their money and how they could get more of it. And I believe this man was so preoccupied with it that it kept him from hearing Moses and the prophets. It distracted him from the word of God and he dies and he goes to hell. Isn't that sad? Look at Luke, the 12th chapter and the 16th verse. Notice this. I'm just cautioning all of us about the dangers of chariots and horses. Luke, the 12th chapter and the 16th verse, Jesus speaks a parable to them saying, The ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, What shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? Now this is a rich man. He says, I've got no more room to store my crops. So he said, I... Just watch how many times he says I here. I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Well, he's doing real good, isn't he? In natural things. But God said to him, fool. You don't want God calling you a fool. How many of you know that you can have all the money in the world, but if God calls you a fool, you're in bad shape. Is that right? Is that right? The fool has said in his heart, there is no God. I don't want God calling me a fool. So this man has many goods for many years. He's built the bigger barns. He's got all this laid up. And he can go many years See, really, this man had gotten him into a place where he thought he didn't need God. I've got all these goods and I can go on for all these years. And God calls him a fool. And then he says, this night your soul will be required of you. That means the man's getting ready to die. And he's going to have to give an account. This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who, watch what Jesus said, so is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward who? Toward God. This man trusted in chariots and horses. You understand that? And he fell, didn't he? And he went to hell too, didn't he? Is that sad? And he was not rich toward God. Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Did you ever notice Jesus said, Where your treasure is, there your your heart will be. Did you ever notice that? Where are you putting your treasure today? In 1 Timothy 6 verse 5, 1 Timothy 6 verse 5, notice what the Bible says here. Talks about useless wranglings. Are you enjoying the word of God today? 1 Timothy 6 5, useless wranglings of men of corrupt minds. Now the Apostle Paul here, the Holy Ghost through the Apostle Paul talking about men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth who suppose that godliness is a means of gain. Talking about, in this verse, preachers who preach the word just to raise money. He said, from such, withdraw yourself. Now, godliness with contentment is great gain. 
For we brought nothing into this world and it is certain we can carry nothing out. I've never seen a hearse with a U-Haul hooked up behind it. Have you? How many of you know we brought nothing in and we can't carry anything out, can we? As far as worldly well. And having food and clothing with these, we, we should be content. That's some good advice right there, isn't it? But those who desire to be rich, actually that word desire means crave or they just want to get rich. They have a craving for it. There's nothing wrong with wanting to prosper. God wants you to want to prosper so that you can have your needs met and bless others. But this craving desire to be rich and to have more and more. There's a, there's a lust for money. Did you know lust can never be satisfied? And, and, and when that gets a hold of you, you know, you can have a million and no more than you get the million, you're going to want to. Because it can never be des- satisfied. Those who desire to be rich fall into, watch this, fall into temptation and a snare and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition for the, notice this, the love of money. Didn't say money, said the what? The love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. For which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. See, not only can money distract you and keep you from coming to Jesus and getting saved in the first place. But I've watched over the years where Christians, I'm talking people born again, Christians can get so preoccupied with what is known as prosperity that it can actually distract them from serving the Lord and it can actually cause them to stray from the faith. I've watched this happen to to ministers and Christians. I've watched it happen to a lot of Christians over the years and ministers too where where this, this, this money and prosperity. How many of you know God wants us to have money? He wants us to prosper. He just doesn't want it to have us. Are you getting that? And I've watched it cause people to stray from the things of God. How many of you know Judas? You ever heard of Judas Iscariot? He was serving Jesus, wasn't he, in that ministry? But yet he sold Jesus out for what? 30 pieces of silver. Can you imagine selling our Lord out for a few coins? Well, I tell you, I'm not going to trust in chariots and horses. I'm just not going to do it. I'm going to have them. I'm just not going to trust them. Amen? Amen. I'm going to trust in the Lord because you see those who trust in chariots and horses and have bowed down to them have fallen. But those who remember and trust in the name of the Lord have risen and stand upright. In the book of Psalms, the Bible says those who trust in the Lord will never be ashamed will never be desolate, will be fed and prospered, will be, never be put to confusion. Can you say amen to that? And in, in the psalmist said this, he said, And the Lord shall help them and deliver them. He shall deliver them from the wicked and save them because they trust in him. That's a good deal, isn't it? The psalmist went on to say, I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress, my God. In him will I trust. 
He shall, now notice the blessings for those who trust in God. He'll deliver them from the snare of the fowler, from the noisome pestilence. You'll not have to be afraid of the terror by night, nor of the arrow that flies by day, nor of the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor of the destruction that wastes at noon. The Bible says those who trust in the Lord, a thousand will fall at your side and 10,000 at your right hand, but it shall not come nigh you. Amen. Amen. Those who trust in the Lord, the Bible says, no evil shall befall you, neither shall any plague come nigh your dwelling, for he'll give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. You'll tread upon the lion and the adder, the young lion and the dragon, you'll trample under feet. That's talking about the powers of the devil. If you trust in the Lord, you'll be able to trample on the devil. Amen. God will be with you in trouble if you trust in him. He'll deliver you. He'll honor you. With long life will he satisfy you and show you his salvation if you'll trust in him. Amen. Amen. The psalmist went on to say, They that trust in the Lord shall be as Mount Zion, which cannot be removed but abides forever. See, that's what happens to you when you trust in the Lord. In the book of Proverbs, uh, the Holy Spirit said this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will what? Direct your paths. How many of you need direction today? Well, don't trust in the chariots and the horses. Trust in the Lord. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. The psalmist went on to say, Commit your way to the Lord, trust also in him and he shall bring it to pass. Maybe you're here today and there's some dreams in your heart that God has put there and it just doesn't look like they've come to pass yet. Just doesn't look like maybe they'll ever come to pass. But the Lord has me standing here today to encourage you to don't give up on those dreams, but continue to trust in him and and keep your confidence in him. And in the process of time, he will bring it to pass. Real out, say he will will. bring it to pass. One more time, he will bring it to pass. But you got to trust in him. You got to keep your trust in him. Somebody said, well, pastor, I just saw that mess that went on in Washington, D.C. and those congressmen and the senators and the president and all that. What are we going to do? I'm going to do what the psalmist said. It's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in man. The Bible also says it's better to trust in the Lord than to put confidence in princes or politicians. Well, I'll pray for the president, no matter who the president is, but I'm not going to trust in him. Are the senators of the... uh, You understand that? I'll pray for him, I'll honor him, and I'll honor that office, but I'm going to keep my trust in the Lord. How about you? Maybe you're here today and you have a problem with fear. Did you know fear can follow you around like a black cloud? It can follow you around like a, like a dog on a leash. Did you know that? Maybe, maybe, maybe you've been fearful here today and, and, and you've been, there, there, there's a spirit of fear. It can, it can harass you and torment you. But the Bible says, the psalmist said, what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. What time I am afraid, I'll trust in thee. So when that fear begins to come to you and begin to put its clutches around your throat, so to speak, just let the trust of God rise up within you and begin to trust in him. And as you trust in him, the devil will flee. Amen.
The Bible says he's a shield. God is a shield to all who trust in him. Let's keep our trust in him and he'll protect us and he'll cause fear to flee away from us. Next time you're afraid, just put your trust in God. Trust in him. And this is a message that we all need to hear because how many has ever been afraid besides me? Well, you put your trust in the Lord. I know when I was driving on those roads of Costa Rica and we were going 65 miles an hour and we had Mack trucks by the multitudes going the other way and we were missing them by just that much. And I'm not joking. Am I joking? And I mean for over an hour of that. I mean, and if anybody just moves wrong just a little bit, you're going to be a pancake. And I'm, am I joking? Am, am I evangelistically over? Am I, am I, am I lying? No, it's the truth. It's every day. And I was sitting there. I had my brakes on. Both of them. But I was trusting in the Lord. And I said, just put me back in the big jet. It's safer than this. Amen. Now, I want you to stand with me if you would. And I want to put Psalms, the fifth chapter and the 11th verse up on the screen. Let's put it up in the King James Version if we could as we close the message here. Psalms 5, verse 11. I'm going to read it. These two verses and then we'll read it together as we close. Let all those that put their trust in thee. He's telling us what we should do. Let all those that put their trust in thee in God rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Next verse. For thou, O Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. Wilt thou compass him as with a shield. I can say amen to that. Let's go back to verse 11. I'm not going to trust in chariots and horses. How about you? Let's read this. Say, let's read it together. Go. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. Next verse. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor, wilt thou compass him as with a shield. I think we need to read that again. Verse 11. One more time. Let's go. But let all those that put their trust in thee rejoice. Let them ever shout for joy because thou defendest them. Let them also that love thy name be joyful in thee. For thou, Lord, will bless the righteous with favor. Wilt thou compass?